0: As I said earlier, we have the privilege of hearing from Jason Cookle this morning and I'm excited to see what he's got to say and hear what he's got to say. And you know, I've loved, I don't know how many years Jason and Catherine have been part of our church for now, it seems like a long time, but I uh, love their commitment just to building his kingdom. Uh, when it's worked for Jason, he's been at our men's prayer meetings on Tuesday mornings but with work commitments and travel commitments that's sometimes a little challenging because he's in Sydney and other places around the the country but but just his heart and their heart for people is second to none in this house and so super excited um, to hear from him this morning and so why don't you put your hands together and welcome him. This morning. Thanks, Jason.
1: Well, good morning, all. Uh, You can all take your seats. Um, I often like to start off with a prayer, but I did the prayer beforehand because um, I've got plenty to get through here today, so I didn't want to take up too much time. this morning, I want to. Uh, I, I do want to challenge you about a couple of things. Anna, this morning had six revelations plus a bonus uh, revelation. I've really. I'm sort of torn. There's kind of two revelations that I have for you. Uh, one is important, if you like, for the other, and it's really about the second one. But if you don't get the first part, you won't get the, the second part. I want to start off by telling you what my message is not about today. It's not about tithing and giving. It's not about being generous. It's not about investing your money wisely. It's not about being good stewards of the finances that God has given you. All these things have a very strong scriptural basis. And if you've been coming to our church for a while, you've surely heard messages about all of these things. And they're all good things. And maybe even some of them somehow will apply in what I'm talking about today but it's not per se about any of those things. Today I want you to get you thinking differently about your finances. So first of all, I want to ask you some questions. Hands up those of you who have control of your finances in your household. Okay. Hands up. You know where I'm going with this So, the second one. Hands up those of you who are sitting next to the person who has control of the finances in your household. If I was sitting next to Catherine, that would be me. <laughs> Shane, you weren't putting your hand up then. <laughs> Let's ask a slightly different question, perhaps. Who would you like to have control of your finances? Now, I won't get you anybody to answer that just yet. Would it be? Well, there. You, somebody's sort of pinching my sermon already there uh, down the front. Uh, not Bill Gates, but I had a couple of other suggestions here. Perhaps Warren Buffett. He has a net worth of about sixty-seven billion dollars. His publicly traded Berkshire Hathaway investing vehicle has averaged 19% annualised returns since 1965. Perhaps you'd like him investing your money for you or looking after your finances. George Soros, with a net worth of $24.9 billion, is the most famous and successful head fund manager of all time, returning around 30% annualised during his days running the Quantum Fund. Or perhaps Carl Icahn, who has a net worth of $17 billion. He has actually the best track record in history of investing. He's averaged more than 30% annualised return since 1968, nearly as long as Buffett's record, Buffett's record but better. Perhaps you've got someone else in, in mind. Bill Gates is the one that I heard down here. If you could choose anyone to look after your finances, who would it be? Has anyone got any thoughts? Is anyone perhaps one of the ones that I've suggested there? What, was it, what have you got there? God? Good. I saw another, somebody else putting their hand up there as well. And that is the answer that it should be. But how many of us really actually put God in control of our finances? How many of us really do that? And I can tell you, certainly, for me, throughout my life, there's been plenty of times when I've probably had not much choice, but there's often, but we don't do that necessarily every day. Our answer should be our Father in heaven, because in Philippians chapter 4, verse 19, it says, And my God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. The key words here are according to Our needs will not be met because God has lots of riches, although he does. He owns everything. If we look at the definition of according, it says, as stated by or in a way that agrees with. So our needs will be met as stated by the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus or in a way that agrees with the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. In the time when the New Testament was written, around 2000 years ago, of course money did exist and was used quite extensively, but most people lived off the land. They grew food, tended animals, which were used for clothing or food, or they used their goods to barter for other goods. When these scriptures were written, they talked about supplying our needs. In today's society, where we work for money, and in turn use the money to buy the things that we need, we could interchange these words in these scriptures with finances. Finances isn't, of course, fully interchangeable with needs, of course, because not all of our needs can be purchased. But for the purpose of today, let's reread this verse and insert finances instead of needs and also one of those de- definitions of according. So I'm going to reread it as, And my God will meet all your finances in a way that agrees with the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. Now, to me, that means that it won't just be the needs as you see them today but it's the needs out of his riches. According to his riches, it's dictated by his riches. If you're the son or daughter of a rich and wealthy person, you won't be wondering how you can pay your your electricity bill. So we have established that our God will meet all of our needs, but we don't always trust him to do so. So what does the Bible have to say about trusting him to meet our needs? Matthew chapter 6: 25 to 34 says, "Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. they do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not more valuable than they? Can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow. They do not labour or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon, in all his splendour, was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you? Based on these scriptures... And Anna used this one this morning but she also had a number of others and and I could, there's, there's plenty of them I can tell you. But it's pretty clear that God is best placed to supply all of our needs. And the point is that we need to trust God to meet those needs, including our financial needs. In Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 and 6, it says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all of your ways submit to him and he will direct your paths. The scripture says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Your heart is your life. Without a beating heart, we aren't alive. We have nothing. This verse tells us to trust in the Lord with everything that we have. All your heart all your faith, all you hold dear, all your finances, all your career, all your security. Trusting God with all your needs, including your finances, means placing all of it at his disposal. In this context, I'm not talking about tithing or being generous, although it may mean that from time to time. I've spent a bit of time talking about trusting God with our finances because without trust, it won't be possible to make room for God to move in your finances. I need a glass of water, I think. And now I need a table to put it on. somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> Let me tell you... That God will move our finances according to how much room we give him to work. I'll say that again. He will move our finances according to how much room we give him to work. Move a little and he will do a little. Move a lot and watch the miracles. The widow at Zarephath is a great example in 1 Kings chapter 17 verses 7 to 24. It says sometime later the brook dried up because there had been no rain in the land. Then the word of the Lord came to Elijah. Go at once to Zarephath in the region of Sidon and stay there. I have instructed a widow there to supply you with food. I kind of find that phrase interesting because I think when Elijah comes and talks to her she seems quite surprised. So he went to Zarephath when he came to the town gate, a widow was there gathering sticks. He called to her and asked, Would you bring me a little water in a jar so I may have a drink? <clears throat> Speaking of which. As she was going to get it, he called and bring me, please, a piece of bread. This is where she seemed surprised because she says, As surely as the Lord your God lives, she replied, I don't have any bread only a handful of flour in a jar and a little olive oil in a jug. I'm gathering a few sticks to take home and make a meal for myself and my son that we may eat it and die. What a dire situation. Doesn't get any much worse than that, does it? Elijah said to her, don't be afraid. Go home and do as you have said, but first make a small loaf of bread for me from what you have and bring it to me. And then make something for yourself and your son. Now I imagine that really she had enough for the one loaf. If she was bringing that one loaf to Elijah, she didn't have anything for her and her son. For this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says, The jar of flour will not be used up and the jug of oil will not run dry until the day the Lord sends rain on the land. She went away and did as Elijah had told her. So there was food every day for Elijah and for the woman and her family. For the jar of flour was not used up and the jug of oil did not run dry in keeping with the word of the Lord spoken by Elijah. She could have done what made sense in the natural. In the natural she would have gone and made the, the loaf of bread for her and her son and perhaps hoped that some other miracle might come along or whatever it was or you know, tried to do something in her own strength. But instead, she chose to make room for God to shift things in her situation. In Genesis chapter 13 is the story of when Abraham and Lot separated. So Abraham went up from Egypt to the Negev with his wife and everything he had and Lot went with him. Abraham had become very wealthy in livestock and in silver and in gold. In verse 5 says, Now Lot, who was moving about with Abram, also had flocks and herds and tents, but the land could not support them while they stayed together. Moving on to verse 8. So Abram said to Lot, Let's not have any quarreling between you and me. Let's part company, and and if you go to the left, I'll go to the right. If you go to the right, I'll go to the left. Well, guess what happened? took the best bit of the land. Abraham had to make room for God because otherwise actually his financial situation was actually going to go backwards because the land couldn't sustain both of them living together. He had to do two difficult things. First of all, separating from family and generously giving Lot the first pick. But when he gave God room to move... Look what happened. In verse 14, it says, The Lord said to Abram, after Lot had parted from him, he didn't tell him beforehand, after Lot had parted from him, he said, Look around from where you are, to the north and south, to the east and west. All the land that you see, I will give to you and your offspring forever. I will make your offspring like the dust of the earth so that if anyone could count the dust, then your offspring could be counted Go walk through the length and breadth of the land, for I am giving it to you. These are biblical examples, but I'd like to give you some personal examples too. I'll start off talking about my sister-in-law, not the one that some of you would know here, but um, Catherine's sister. She's a teacher and was considering a number of years ago applying for a job with a private school. And we were having this conversation in her parents' home. She wasn't sure whether she should apply. I suggested she should and she really only had a decision to make if they offered her the role. Her parents encouraged her not to apply because she had tenure in the public school system, something that she could never get back if she left, even if she went back into the public school system later on, she she would no longer have tenure, she would only be on a contract. However, the opportunity was a promotion, a better location, Better equipment, she's a tech studies teacher. There's all sorts of positive things about that role. There's lots of positive things about not staying in the stale old job to which she wasn't happy with. But she placed her trust in the security of her tenure. She didn't apply for that job. In her defence she's not a Christian so the one thing I couldn't say to her was apply and if it's God's will his provision then you'll get the job and you can be confident he'll look after you. She didn't apply and she's been in that same role now for 28 years. On the other hand my beautiful wife Catherine is now in the same situation except that she did make room for God to move. She's been in a a job for a long period of time but in the last 18 months or so it had actually become uh, not a very tenable job, not a great job to have anymore. But she made God, room for God to move. She, not only did she apply for other jobs, she even applied for jobs internally which didn't actually make sense in the context of the things that were happening she did all the things that she she could she acted in another uh, in a team leader role she did all sorts of things to show that she was making room for god to move in the natural it wouldn't didn't make sense that she would potentially get the internal role that she would um, be able to do the team leader role it didn't make a lot of sense for her to do that she could have been bitter and she could have just you know shut down at work or whatever have you but she didn't do any of that and she applied for other roles as well many of them which she thought she would wouldn't have any chance of of getting but she just faithfully did that she gave God room to move and this week she's accepted a job it's better than what she has now it's an exciting opportunity that doesn't just meet the financial need In fact, it's better than what she had before. But it also will give her an opportunity to once again enjoy what she does, a need to be challenged, a need to be closer to home, a need to be more available for our children, which will be met as this job gives her the opportunity to work from home uh, on some days per week. So God is supplying all of our needs. But he couldn't have done that if she didn't give God room to move. In fact, if she'd just applied for jobs like she had now in local government, then, yeah, God would have had room to move a little bit. And I believe he would have met a need or some of her needs. But the more he, she gave him room to move, the more he could bless her and bless us as a family. Another example, many years ago, my first full-time role after university was the District Council of Light. I thought it was going to be the best role. turned out it was absolutely awful. (laughs) And, you know, I had plans. We were going to perhaps move out into this region. We were going to do, you know, I I had all sorts of things going on in my mind about how this was going to work out for the long term. It was so awful that after three months, I I could just see this wasn't actually going anywhere. I I didn't think I was going to make my six-month probation. You know, it was pretty crap. But this was also at a time when it was actually really hard to get jobs as a civil engineer, as a graduate civil engineer. It was, it was, a, it was a, even a miracle that I got that job. And there weren't jobs to apply for. There was one job to apply for though that I didn't think I had any chance of getting. Seriously, it was a senior job. S- somebody normally with 15, 20 years experience would get that role. How could I get that role? Yet I applied for that job. I gave God room to move. I probably didn't realise that that's what I was doing at the time. I probably was more out of desperation than anything else. But yet I did that. And, And in fact, it was the role that I had that was so awful, which was actually what got me the opportunity to have an interview. And ultimately I got that job. And I was the youngest ever city engineer in South Australia at the age of 24. A third example, recently we set up uh, our rental house in Tanunda for short stays. It's a complicated story and I don't have time to go into how God put the opportunity before us. And we really weren't clear about exactly what this opportunity looked like. Um, we... As I said, it's it's a complicated story. But nonetheless, we decided to furnish the house and actually set it up for short stays, but also put it on the market. We were having a bit of a bet each way. Which way did – what was the best thing for us financially? We didn't didn't know. Our situation was such that we actually needed something to move in our financial world with this particular um, property. At the time, I was praying that even if we broke even – that we wouldn't be worse off, then I would be happy. And if we'd sold the house, that would have been the case because by the time you paid some capital gains and some other things, there would have been very little left over for us. And if we, you know, I thought, well, maybe if we can get just enough short-stay tenants, we might just be as good as if we have the long-stay tenants. Now we know that God has blessed us with around three times the income from the short stays compared to renting the house out for the long term but we could have just not done anything. We could have continued doing what we were doing. We had to make room for God to move. My previous role was so awful that it impacted my health. I'm very happy to say that I'm not there now. Ultimately, I got to the point where I felt I had little choice but to resign. Without a new job to go to, it was a very difficult decision. In the natural, resigning meant losing our house, I knew I'd get uh, a little bit emotional about it. It meant losing our house, losing our cars, not being able to afford to send our boys to Cornerstone, losing faith with my colleagues and friends. And I was only able to resign because God had provided in, the, in difficult situations before. And I knew and had peace that he would provide. That peace, though, I can tell you, actually only came when I made the decision to resign. God came through and not only provided me with a new job and an even better salary doing what I I loved doing, But I'm also like a kid who gets to play with a bigger toy, in my case, the New South Wales market. (laughs) And he has also given me a role with more concentrated responsibility rather than broad responsibility, which I can tell you is like a holiday. Funnily enough, I have a sneaking suspicion that my current role is necessary to take me to whatever next level that God has in store for me. And without my previous job involving so much commuting I probably never would have thought that travelling to Sydney and staying two nights per week was something that I would really be happy doing. My point is that this example and plenty of others in my life have led to God supplying all of our needs, meeting all of our financial needs. I've seen it time and time again and so I know that God will keep doing this into the future. I can ask the worship team to come back up, please. Now, if you've just had a bad week at work this week, I'm not suggesting that you just quit your job. But I am suggesting that we need to be open to the prompting of the Holy Spirit to make room for God to shift our financial world. Whatever your financial situation, whatever the opportunity, make room for God to move. Don't stay in your comfort zone. Make room for God to move. You can start doing something. If it's no longer comfortable where you are right now, perhaps God is telling you to make room for his favor, for his blessing, for his miracle. If that is your situation today, know that if you make room for God, that he will meet your needs according to his riches in glory. Don't trust in your job. Don't trust in your business. Don't trust in the security that you might have, however that might look like in your situation. Don't trust in your tenure. Don't trust in the contracts you have. Don't trust in your current financial arrangement. Rather, trust in the Lord our God. All of those things aren't necessarily bad things, but sometimes they get in the way of us realizing all of God's blessings. I was thinking before, as Anna was preaching this morning, and it was a great message, and we. One of her first revelations was about being satisfied with what we have. And that is is—it's very true. In the context of what she was talking about, it's absolutely true. We need to be satisfied with what we have. But sometimes when we think about God providing out of his riches, our needs out of his riches in glory, I think to myself, God actually has more for us. We should be satisfied with what we've got, but God has more for us. He has more for you. And so even when we have a pretty good financial situation because we live in the Adelaide Hills and it's a pretty nice country and everything's pretty good and our job's going okay and and maybe you're a few days late paying your electricity bill or that credit card bill looks a bit horrendous or whatever it might look like. But God has more for you. So trust in God and step out in faith and do something which makes room for God to move. Every faith step actually requires you to do something for God to make room to move. And my message this morning isn't about how the, the 10 steps for financial wealth. How you can actually move finances yourself in your world. That's not it. It's about doing something to make room for God to move in your financial world. The miracles that come from God's hand of provision is amazing. Sometimes, though, it's heart-in-your-mouth stuff. I find the miracles come only when you really desperately need them. God is a better financial manager than we will ever be, so why not put him in charge of your finances today? Today, if you need a financial breakthrough, or perhaps you're just ready to entrust your finances to your heavenly Father... And I can tell you, if you're in that second category today, it's actually the best time to do it when you're not desperately in need. This morning, if you're in that situation, if you do need that financial breakthrough, or you just want to entrust your finances to your Heavenly Father, I've got down in my notes, I was going to invite you to come down and we could pray together. You know, Anna this morning said that when we talk about our finances, it's a taboo thing. We often, we don't want to share what our financial situation is. We don't want to tell people how much credit card debt we've got. We don't want to tell them we're struggling to pay a bill. We don't want to stand up and come down the front because that's perhaps telling other people something about our financial world. But if we don't get up and actually move, and this is not quite the making space that I was talking about, I'm talking about actually having to do something in your world which will make God give God that opportunity to move, but sometimes we have to actually still stand up and step out. So do what you feel comfortable to do today. You can sit there if you like, but also you're more than welcome to come out the front because God is at this altar this morning, and he is there to meet your financial needs. Making room for God to move in your finances is really really comfortable. So this morning I'd invite you to come out. The feeling you get when trusting God fully with your finances is the same feeling you get when you first trusted God with your life and you gave your heart to him that's a pretty big call and I almost didn't say that this morning but you know in our world in our western world our finances are so much of what we're wrapped up in that it is our world it is almost everything to many of us and so it's no wonder it's a little bit similar when we really learn to trust God with our finances I might ask you all to stand with me for a moment as we get towards the end here. I have to keep being reminded to trust him and to make room for him to move. I'm not saying that I've got it all sorted out. It seems I sometimes need to learn the lesson over and over. And so you won't be on your own this morning if you join me out the front. I'm going to change topics for just a moment whilst we give people an opportunity to consider helping God make them giving room for God to move in their finance financial world so feel free, free to move at any time if you haven't invited Jesus into your life though I would like to give you an opportunity to do that this morning it's liberating in a way that you haven't experienced before to know that our Father in Heaven wants a relationship with you he wants the very best for you he will look after you You can put all your trust in him and you will have eternal life with him. In the natural, it's scary. I've heard Pastor Bruce say before, and I remember it the same, the hairs sort of sometimes rise on the back of your neck when God is prompting you, when Jesus is knocking at the door of your heart. If everyone will close their eyes. You may never have given your life to him, or perhaps you have once before and you want to commit, recommit your life to him, no matter what your situation, no matter what you've done. In Romans 3, chapter 3, verse 23 and 24, it says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, and all are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that comes by Christ Jesus. It doesn't matter what your situation is. God has no expectations of you. by His grace He freely offers you a personal relationship with him for eternity. If you'd like this morning to give your heart to Jesus or you recommit your life to him while everybody's eyes are closed, I ask you just to slip up your hand. Father God, I pray that this morning, if anyone's wavering about giving their heart to you, or if anyone's wavering about committing their life to you, Father God, that you will stand outside their door and continue to knock throughout the rest of this service, throughout the rest of this week. Father God, that you will continue to be there, that you'll sit and wait for them until they're ready, Father God. Because I know that you want to have that personal relationship with each and every one of us. I'm going to finish the service this morning just by praying for God to give us the courage to make room for him to shift our finances. Father, I know from personal experience that it's scary to let go of the thing that really controls so much of our world, our financials, our finances, our money, all those things that we make purchases with, all the purchases we have from the money that we have. Father God, it's difficult to let go of that. But Father, I thank you that from personal experience that I know how much you can move In our financial world, if only we're prepared to step out, if only we're prepared to make room for God to move. And Father, it would be my prayer this morning that whether we're in desperate need here this morning or whether things seem to be going really well, that each and every person here would listen throughout this week to the prompting of the Holy Spirit, that there's an opportunity for them to make some room for you to move, Father God, that each person will do that and watch the blessing that I know you will bring, that you will meet their need out of your riches and glory, according to your riches and your glory in Christ Jesus. Amen.